You're listening to the North Richland Hills Baptist Church Sermon Audio Podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, go to nrhbc.org. I, uh, I told Pastor Scott, I said, hey, I, I sent you a recent photo. And he said that they decided not to use it. And I thought, that's kind of offensive. You know, I was like, wow. Uh, that was funny, though. Um, I realized early on in my relationship with Christ that he wanted to bless me, but I didn't realize he wanted to change me. And uh, I always thought like when I came to the Bible, if I felt bad, I read Psalms really bad, I'd read Job, but I just didn't really know how to process scripture. And I I remember getting invited to a Bible study and um, I said I I would go, you know, I needed it. I needed to learn about God. And I thought we were going to study Ephesians and talk about me. But instead, the Bible study leader opened up a map of the world and asked me to pick a country and pray for it. And I started to freak out because I'd never prayed out loud for missions. And especially like in this moment, I was like, anxiety started to crawl up my arm. And I was like, I, I, I don't know. So I said, I'll pray for America. And he said, pick somewhere further away. So I said, Mexico. And he said, no, pick somewhere really far away. And I looked down at the map of the world and the largest country that caught my attention was Saudi Arabia. And so I began to pray for Saudi Arabia. I left the Bible study and he said, tell me next week how many Muslims, how many mosques, how many Christians, how many churches are are in Saudi Arabia. I was at Starbucks and I saw a Saudi Arabian. I was at Target and I met a Saudi Arabian. I started to see them in my community. And slowly I started to realize that my purpose and my mission was very self-centered, hyper-individualistic about me. And I didn't realize that, man, God has a purpose of reaching all peoples, both there and here, that I need to participate in. You might be in here this morning or watching virtually and think, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm ready to die. But if you don't know your purpose, you're not really living. What is it that God wants us to do as Christ followers, and how does it impact every tribe, every tongue, every people, and every nation? If you had no knowledge of the Bible and you picked one up and began to read it, the first 11 chapters is just the introduction. The first 11 chapters is just the introduction. You've got creation in chapter 1 and 2, the fall of man in chapter 3. You've got the flood in chapter 6, 7, and 8. You've got the Tower of Babel in chapters 10 and 11 and the scattering of the nations in chapter 11. Then you turn to chapter 12 and you know this. The nations are scattered into 70 distinct people groups. How is God going to regather them under his glory? And that's where you come to Genesis 12. Genesis 12, 1 through 3 answers the mission of God and how he's going to regather those who are far off. Genesis 12, 1 through 3 says this, The Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I'm going to bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. But Abram, here it is. The reason I am doing this is not for you. I'm going to bless you. But look at this last line. All peoples that I have just scattered are going to be regathered and blessed through you. I had no idea the importance of Genesis 12, 1 through 3, for the first decade of my spirituality. I had no idea how important Genesis 12, 1 through 3 was for the first 10 years that I was a Christ follower. 
I had no idea. The leading scholar of all of Christians in Europe, his name's John Stott. He died a few years ago. Before he died, he was asked this question, what's the most important passage in all the Bible? He says, that's easy. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. The whole of God's purpose is encapsulated here. Genesis 12, the mission of God meets motion and it begins. The domino tips in Genesis 12 with Abram. And it goes from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Joseph to Joshua to David to the prophets to Jesus to the early church to us. But it begins in Genesis 12. Matter of fact, as I wrestle with Genesis 12, I've kind of, I've named Genesis 12 the Abrahamic revolution. What began with Abraham comes to you and I as we seek to fulfill God's purpose in our generation. Get used to hearing this Genesis 12, 1 through 3, you're only going to hear it 1,600 more times. 1,600 more times in Scripture, God mentions his desire to see all peoples, nations, men and women from all the world come to know him. He'll say it three times to Abraham. He'll repeat it one time to Abraham's son Isaac, and he'll repeat it another time to Jacob. We, we get it five times before we leave Genesis. Listen to what he says through, through Isaac. Abraham's son, Genesis 26, Isaac, I'll make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and give them all these lands. I'm going to bless you. And through your offspring, all peoples on earth, all nations on earth will be blessed. He'll say it another time to Jacob, Isaac's son. Jacob, Genesis 28, your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. They will spread out to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south. Why? All peoples on earth. This is Genesis 12, 2.0. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. He's just repeating what he promised to Abram. I, uh, I, uh, I love shopping at my favorite Christian store. I don't know if they have one here, but they have one in Arkansas. I go to it. It's called Hobby Lobby. And um, uh, I just feel more spiritual when I walk in. And... Uh, I don't know if it's the incense, it's the, the myrrh, I don't know, but I, uh, I literally, I, I walk, every time I'm at Hobby Lobby, there's half off pictures. I think it just is always half off. There's always half off pictures. I wander down the picture aisle and I got my kids in tow and I see a picture and I take a picture of the picture. Can you get there mentally with me? I took a, so I, I took a picture of the picture, sent it to my wife, and she's like, you got to get it. And I was like, I wasn't asking permission. I was just showing you the glory. And, and, and literally, let me tell you the picture of the picture. Let me tell you the picture. It had, a, uh, it had a stream. It had a tackle box. It had a fisherman. It had a sun rising. And in 98 font gold calligraphy, my favorite Old Testament passage, be still and know that I am God. And I was like, I need this. I was literally, I thought, man, and, and, and I don't know. I've, I love that verse. I've seen it, you know, I've, it's, it's embroidered on places. And, but I think it just struck me different because it was the 98 font. And, and it said, be still and know that I'm God, dot, dot, dot. And I thought, wow. There's a second half that I've never even seen. It never makes the picture frame. It, we, I'm like, how bad is the second half of Psalm 46.10 that I've never seen it? I mean, what's it say? Be still and know that I am God. And Judas found a rope and hung himself. I mean, how bad is the second half that I've never seen it? So I pull out my Bible app 
and I look at Psalm 46 to 10 because I wanted to know how bad is the second half of this amazing verse that I've never heard it. What could it say? And as I read, it says this, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. But as a white, wealthy Westerner who wants the blessing of salvation, but denies the responsibility of the mission of God and taking it to all nations, how can I receive the blessing but ignore the responsibility? What can I do when I read my Bible? Oh, I know. I highlight, memorize, and underline only verses that have to do with me, God blessing all peoples and using me to do it. Sorry, Lord, don't have time, dot, dot, dot. Not my problem. Maybe later in life. I mean, over and over again, we're reminded God blesses us, but it's not for us. But for some reason, we've turned it on us. 175 times in Psalms, it mentions God's desire to see all peoples, nations come to know Him. Over 175 times in this magnificent book. Let me read Psalm 67. And as we read, just listen how many times God mentions the word earth, world, people, peoples, nations. Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. And I stop there. And I underline that part. And I double star it. And then I, 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 I don't keep reading. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. Why? So that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. You rule the peoples justly. You guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. God blesses us, but it's not for us. It's so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. We've all been blessed by different ways, different things, some affluence, some influence, some creativity, some our children, some our reputation, some our innovation. What are you doing with that blessing of how God's blessed you to touch all peoples, to touch all nations? Or are you just keeping it for yourself? You know, every morning I wake up and I do the same routine. I, I grab my phone that's being charged on the end table and I have a face ID and it, 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 it sees me and it knows, let's wake up together. Let's do this. And I, there's an app that I go in every day. I'm not even out of bed yet. There's an app that I go in and it's connected to my savings. So I have connected this app with my savings, and every morning I look at my savings, and I say the same thing. Grow. Grow, little guy. I don't know why I look at it every day. Maybe I think it's because someone's going to take it. I don't know, but... I love looking at my savings. I love it. And I love when it grows. And I, I grow, grow. I go downstairs. I make a cure egg. I kiss my son. I kiss my daughter. I kiss my other son. I kiss my other son. I kiss my other daughter and my other son. And I'm around my kids and I say, safety. Just keep them safe, Lord. I get in my car, I drive to work, and I say the same thing. Resume, build my name, make me appreciated, 
Give me a great reputation. I come home and I take off my shoes and I say, relax. Savings, safety, resume, and relax. Four words that the vast majority of Christ's followers in your life are living for. Those four words is what the vast majority of Christians are focusing their time and talents on. And the Lord invites me into his purpose. Would you join me in reaching all peoples? And I say, well, Lord, let me just ask you, will it affect any of these four words? Uh, Yes. You're going to give sacrificially to things you didn't even know you were going to give to. Your kids and your family is going to go places that you would never have even dreamed. Your resume is not yours anymore. It's mine. It's not your name. It's my name. And your free time is now me. And what happens? The tension of the mission and purpose of God versus my small purpose. And I have this gravitational pull towards self-absorption. Jesus in Matthew 4, 19, when he meets the disciples, he gives them Genesis 12. He doesn't say, I'm going to bless you to bless others. He says, I'm going to follow, follow me and you'll fish for men. That's like being blessed to bless others. Follow me so you'll fish for men. These 12, think about that. These 12 men right there, right there on the shore of Galilee, these 12 men, they they, they hear, they're so excited. This this rabbi wants them to follow him and teach him. And and who knew what, what, what would happen? Who, I mean, did Peter know that today the largest church in Rome bears his name? In that moment, would he have any idea? Would Andrew, who heard those words, have any idea that the entire nation of Russia sees him as the most precious disciple? Would, would James have known that within five years of saying yes to following this man, that he would be pierced with a sword put to death? We don't know where the mission of God takes us, but we're so self-consumed and self-absorbed with our own stuff that we, that we mute it out of our life. I mean, Jesus gives five great commissionings. Why five? I thought there was only one great commission text found in Matthew. No, there's five. It's almost like he needs to repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. And these five were given on different occasions. Let me read the first one in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Then Jesus came and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And I'm with you always, even to the ends of the earth. Four alls here, four alls in this small, small passage, all authority, all authority. He decides how we live and how we give. All nations, that's the scope, Genesis 12, just on repeat. All that I've commanded you, not just some, not just the bless me part, all. And he'll be with us always. The promise of his presence is what drives us. This is not the only Great Commission text. This is the first of the five. The second Great Commission text is found in Mark 16, 15. Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. He doesn't say all peoples. He doesn't say all nations. He says creation. This thing's so good that trees, barks, and squirrels should hear about it. This affects everything. This is not the only Great Commission text. There's five. The third one is found in Luke 24. Luke 24, he said to them, this is written, Genesis 12. This is nothing new. I'm saying nothing new. This is written. He says, Christ, he says, that's who I am. 
will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. He says, that's what I did. He said, repentance. He said, that's how you need to respond. He says, the forgiveness of sins, that's the benefit of responding appropriately, will be preached, look at the scope, to all nations. This is the third of the Great Commission text. It's not the final one. There's five. The fourth one is found in John 20, 21. John 20, 21, as the Father sent me, he looks at his disciples and says, I am now sending you. Think about that statement. He says, he says, I was in community, eternity, and trinity when the Father invited me to put on humanity. And I responded by saying yes. In the same way, I'm sending you. For some, that means going across this cul-de-sac. For some, it means going across the ocean. For some, it means going across your campus. But we're all sent ones. If you're a Christ follower, the question is not, am I sent? It's to where? It's to where? This is not the final Great Commission text. It's the fourth of the five. The fifth one is found in Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Why five? Because I revolve my life around saving, safety, resume, relax. And I need to be reminded of his mission, of his desire to see all peoples, using my blessings to do it using my blessings to do it. Oh, but it's so hard. I heart my blessings. Oh, it's just so hard. It, I just don't want to collect. A friend of mine um, he has a Bible study. His name's Matt. And, and, and he said to me, he's like, hey, Todd, I've got this Bible study. There's 10 guys and um, all 10 are Christ followers. And they've, they've all 10 are in their thirties and all 10 have made a lot of money at a young age doing business. They're all very affluent, and, and I'm trying to get them to read the Bible more, so we chose the book of Matthew to read every day. And then we come together once a week to study it, and these businessmen have come across Matthew, this thing in Matthew called the Great Commission. And he's like, man, Todd, these guys are fired up. They're fired up. They're like, man, if a good commission is 10 to 15%, how much is a great commission going to be? And so he's like, will you come and teach, will you come and teach on the Great Commission? And I was like, absolutely. I, I come, I meet with the 10 guys. I sit down, I open the Bible to Genesis 12. And my friend Matt says, Todd, the Great Commission's in Matthew 28. I said, no, it's not. Jesus wasn't the first to give the Great Commission. He repeated it. The Great Commission starts in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. That's the Great Commission. And uh, I walk him through how God blesses his peoples to bless all peoples. That was kind of my theme for that time. God blesses his peoples for all peoples. He blesses his people. And I show him Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Joshua and David. And, and, and we get to about David. And my friend Matt's like, Todd, wait a, wait a minute. You've said the word bless like a dozen times. Like, what does it mean when God blesses his people in the Old Testament? I said, great question. I said, in the Old Testament, when God blesses his people, you always see four things. You always see four things, an increase in land, family, finances, and a great name. You always see this, like an increase in land, family, finances, and a great name. He says to Abram, go out to the land. I'm going to give it to you between the Nile and the Euphrates. That's your land. He says to Abram, go throw the sand up by the shore and see, that's going to be your offspring. He says to Abram in Genesis 12, 3, I'm going to make your name great. He says, don't take a dime from other kings. I will be your wealth. And as my friend Matthew is processing this whole story of how God blesses, he says, man, Todd, my, 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 my stuff, my land, my home, my, my, my fence, my roof, my, my garage, like 
what, he, he's like, man, my, my two boys, he's like raising them, in a, you know, raising them in a godly home and giving good mentorship. He says finances, putting money back for retirement, money back for, for savings, money back for, for college. He's like a great name, what motivates me to wake up. He's processing, he's, what makes, makes me wake up and, and put in a 40-hour work week. He's like, Todd, it's, it's an 80-hour work week to manage my blessings. He's like, I'm trying not to drown in the burden I bear with my blessings. He says, maybe the problem with the church is we've reduced the mission of God to simply managing our blessings. Think about it in your own life. It's a win just to manage our blessings. Oh, I got to go to work. I got to drop the kids off at ballet. I got to mow the yard. I got to have retirement. I got to make some extra money on the side. I got to raise these kids. I got to love my wife. I got to hit the gym. And now we're saying, hey, and reach the nations. (laughs) don't really have any margin. What God wants us to do is to understand his purpose above all else. His purpose above all else. Let me just give you a stat we recently found out. Here's the stat. The stat is this. 99.4% of all parents and grandparents who are Christ followers will spend three to six months trying to talk their kids out of missions. Let me say that again, 99.4% of all parents and grandparents, if their son or daughter or granddaughter want to be missionaries, they will spend three to six months trying to talk them out of doing it. It sounds different for everybody, but it might sound like this. Are you sure? Are you sure? This is something you want to do. Well, let me just say, your mother and I are very proud We dedicated you as a baby, and we are very proud, and we would never step in the way of God moving in your life. We just feel like this is not the right time. We feel like this is not the right time, and you are, have you seen around you, there's needs here. Start here. Have you even thought about how you're going to pay for it? Don't ask us. And what about your college debt? Like, how are you going to get out of that? And don't ask our friends. And do you realize you are so gifted And God has you here for a reason. Are you called? Are you called? Like, can you tell me you're called for sure? You would think if God would call you, he would tell us and your mom and I, again, we won't interfere. This is your decision, okay? We are not gonna, we would never wanna violate what God's doing in your life. We're just saying you need to apply elsewhere. And we're also saying it just, you don't even like to travel. You don't wear Toms. You're not missional at all. This is just confusing. You don't own a passport. You don't go places. Again, this decision's yours, okay? And your mom and I, we are not going to stand in the way, okay? We are for you. We just think, do you doubt? Are you doubting at all? Is there anything in you that's doubting? I would argue, again, this is just me, that if you have the smallest amount of doubt, Stay here, work at Starbucks, and live in our basement, because this is not the time. This is not the time. Listen, we dedicated, we're not going to influence your decision, I promise you. Whatever you decide, we're going to be very proud. But I do want to say one more thing, okay? This is the last thing. I'm going to say it. I'm sorry. This could be God, though, so just listen. It could be God or Todd. I don't know, but we're going to see. I just want to say this. And again, you decide, okay, this is your decision. But I do want to say this. I'm just going to say this, 
and we're going to see, we're going to see what happens, okay? I just want to tell you this. If you get on that plane, you're going to die single. <laughs> and your sister's already said she doesn't want to have kids. That means you're the only hope for our grandkids. And so this is a big decision. And do you know who does that? Pretty much every Christian parent you know. Pretty much every, I'm not going to get, like, I'm not going to click my heels together when my daughter comes to me and wants to move to Iraq. That's not going to be a happy day for me. But a harder day is when she marries the wrong man, spirals downward in self-absorption and forgets God. That's going to be a harder day. God says kids are arrows. Arrows were meant to fly. How are we raising our kids and our grandkids? What countries are you praying that they be missionaries to? What countries are you asking God to send your kids to? That tells me a lot about how you view your blessing. That tells me a lot about how you view your blessing. Man, again, it's very difficult. It's very difficult. But I love, I love what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 15, and we want this to be our, the heartbeat of our kids as well. It's always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Paul says, where is there, where is there no gospel? And we're going to volunteer and go there. That's why the, the, the center of this church is to reach the unreached. Where is the unreached? Well, the largest portion live in a part of the world called the 1040 window. The 1040 window is 10 degrees up from the equator, and it's 40 degrees up, and it stretches clear across the Middle East, North Africa, and Asia. In this box is home to 65 countries. 88% of those who are breathing right now in the box will never shake hands with a Christ follower. 88% will be born, live, and die and never meet a Christian. There is a difference between those who are reached and those who are unreached. And for the sake of clarity, I want to explain it because I was confused. Both the reached and the unreached are lost. Let me say that again. Both the reached and the unreached are lost. Let me give you an example. The reached is a 25-year-old female. She lives in Dallas. She loves her lattes and Lulus, and she just wants to go to work and have a social life. She doesn't want to know God. She doesn't want to know Christ. But if she wanted to know Christ, she could go to a bookstore and buy a Bible in her language. She could go to a church that speaks her language. She could maybe even turn on iHeartRadio or K-Love Radio, and she could actually hear the gospel through a podcast or something to download. She's not at all a Christ follower, but she has access. We would consider her reached. The unreached, 25-year-old, not in Dallas, but in Saudi. No Arabic Bible. No Christian who can speak Arabic, no church, no podcast in her language, completely unreached. And so maybe what you need to do is to pray, Lord, let my purpose align with your purpose. Let me meet some of the unreached who live in this metro area. Maybe your prayer is to say, Lord, help me to care. Help me to have eyes to see, to initiate. They're not going to initiate with you. Help me initiate and befriend someone from another faith that in three to six months I could see them come to know you. Maybe you need to consider going overseas. Maybe this is an age and stage in your life where it's like, we can take a season to go. This church would love nothing more than to send you. What began in Genesis 12 is concluded in Revelation 5.9. Revelation 5.9 says this, and they sang a song, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals, Jesus, because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men for God from what he began in Genesis 12, he fulfills. Every tribe, every language, every people, and every nation. 
From the Tower of Babel in chapter 10 and 11 to the throne of God in Revelation 5, 9, one mission, one message, one purpose. But what do I do? I lock in on my blessings and I keep them for myself. When I first met my wife, I took her on our first date to a spot that would determine whether or not we were to get married. I wanted to find out right away if she was the one, so I took her to Starbucks. And I ordered first as a spiritual leader. I thought that'd be a good thing to do. So I approached the barista and I, I, got, I get what I get every time. Every time I get a venti, non-fat, no foam, sugar-free, hazelnut latte, room temperature, double cup, no lid, side of ice. And um, I invited her to order next. And she looks up and says, what's a grandy? <laughs> and I, I was like, what? She's like, yeah, I don't drink coffee. Uh, and I was like, wow. She ordered a water. And um, we sit down, we sit down, and she's got her sippy cup of water, and I look over, and I'm just like, I'm like, Jess, I like you, you're pretty without makeup. I said, I want this to work, but I want you to, I want you to drink coffee. Smokers date smokers, coffee drinkers date coffee drinkers. And she said that she would try. We went back to Starbucks a week later, she ordered a, a hot chocolate. I... Uh, <laughs> We go back to Starbucks, she orders a half hot chocolate, half coffee. We go back to Starbucks, she orders a coffee with 17 sweet and lows. We go back to Starbucks, she orders a coffee with four sweet and lows. And I remember the day she said to me, are you going to Starbucks? And I said, yes. She said, then bring me a venti black. And I'm like, you are a good, good father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. <laughs> Why do I tell you this story? Because what happens when you love someone is you get gravitationally pulled towards the things they love. So for Jessica, she didn't love coffee, but when she fell in love with me, she began to fall in love with coffee. And I did the same for her. Before I got married, I thought, I thought Bed Bath & Beyond was a hotel, you know? Now I'm on Pinterest. I mean, weird things are happening. I use essential oils, thieves. I'm like, what is going on? Why do I tell you that? Because you might open that envelope, not be able to pronounce that unreached people group, and you might think, I'm going to toss this. But God loves this. And how can we make God's heart our heart? When we stare at that people group and say, Lord, I don't even know anything about this group, but I know you love them and that's enough. I want to give and pray and go and let me be the first to volunteer. And so, Lord, that's our prayer this morning is that we would embrace this Genesis 12 mission. So many of those who've gone before us have said yes to it, but yet so many have gotten derailed. And I pray that your passion will become our passion, your heart, our heart, as we move forward to reach the unreached. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the North Richland Hills Baptist Church Sermon Audio Podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, go to nrhbc.org.